Hello and welcome to Retention Chronicles, a podcast sponsored by Malomo, a shipment tracking platform that helps e-commerce brands turn order tracking into a profitable marketing channel. On this podcast, we welcome leading DTC brands and experts to chat about all things customer retention and e-commerce. We absolutely love highlighting all of the amazing things that our customers are doing in the post-purchase space. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out our website, gomalomo.com. Maybe you'll even be featured on this podcast someday in the near future, who's to say? To help us continue to bring new guests and information to you, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you like to listen. In this episode of Retention Chronicles, I am so excited because we are joined by the amazing Brandon Amoroso. He's the founder and CEO at Electric Marketing, and we're also joined by our very own Director of Partnerships here at Malomo, Noah Rahimzadeh. Electric Marketing is a Shopify agency located in Miami, and what they really do is amazing work for all the brands that they work with. And they improve retention and LTV through a lot of different strategies, all under the umbrella of marketing. We'll share about Brandon and learn all about what exactly his team does, but I don't want to give away too much in the intro. He'll also go into how that process can differ between subscription and non-subscription brands, but you'll hear him talk about all the creative ways that he's seen brands enact a subscription program and recommends that every brand, no matter what, can have one. You'll also be given multiple use cases and creative ways uh, to leverage information from multiple technology platforms to really pull together your marketing stack. And speaking of tech, Brandon shares his golden tech stack for what he believes every Shopify brand should have. Low-hanging fruit, table stakes, all of that jazz. And if you've ever wondered about how you can get a customer to come back if they've had a bad experience or what can go wrong if you segment but don't personalize the customer experience, keep listening. Welcome to Retention Chronicles. Today we are joined by Brandon at Electric Marketing and our very own Noah, who's our new Director of Partnerships. I'm thrilled to have this conversation with both of you. I've been waiting for this entire week. It is now Thursday um, to get down and have a moment to chat about Electric, of course, and then all the amazing things that you're doing for the brands that you work with, um, Brandon. And then, no, I mean, you've already made such an impact on our team. So it's been incredible to get to work with you so far. Um, I can't wait wait to, you know, pick both your brains, um, see, you know, all the amazing insights that you have. So with that, um, I thought we could get started with some intros. Um, Brandon, if you could kick us off, like how you got into the um, like e-com B2B space, and then Nova will follow up with you. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I am the founder and CEO of Electric Marketing. We are a 45-person uh, Shopify agency uh, based out of Miami, and we primarily focus on improving retention and increasing lifetime value, which is why we work with Malomo so much. Um, some quick context, so at least how I got here. I started Uh, back in high school, interning for a direct-to-consumer wine company uh, based out of Santa Monica called uh, Wine Insiders, who's owned by uh, Drinks.com. And so I did the typical like social media intern stuff, 
Uh, ended up taking a gap year and working there full time as a online media manager. And then when I went to school at uh, SC, I uh, worked there sort of part time, had my classes on Tuesday and Thursday, and then I was in office Monday, Wednesday, Friday with them. About like two years into school, I left to freelance for Shopify businesses in and around the LA area, usually like one to two person shops uh, who sold some sort of a like craft product. So they're very like very cool products like they were really interesting and they were extremely skilled in their craft but they like they were good at that they were not good at selling things online so it was a perfect opportunity for me to be able to work for people um, and start to build out reviews and case studies and i would work for free or very cheap just to try and get uh, some more experience and uh, some more recognition then about like a month before graduation i was able to hire one full-time team member and then uh, almost three years to the date, we've just been uh, scaling ever since. So at about that time, I think it was like May of 2019, June of 2019, uh, we primarily focused on SEO and content, uh, but fast forward to today, we're primarily focused on uh, lifecycle and retention. And as a component of that, email and SMS is our biggest service offering, website design and development is second, and then SEO and content and organic social is complementary to the two. Uh, but every brand that we're working with now, for the most part, we are like hands-on keyboard within their email and SMS accounts, and we're helping them uh, from a Shopify like consultative approach standpoint, and also how do we uh, improve retention, increase lifetime value. Yeah, awesome. One quick question before you get into your intro, Noah. What do you like? What do you think you took with you? from those internships because you said like it's complimentary now that social media strategy which is so interesting that you like started out your career in that and now you see it as like it's a complimentary to like seo and all of that yeah i think the biggest things for me from the internship were honestly the like the mentorship from the executive team and getting to sit in on like how they were structuring the organization growing the team because when i started with them they were probably like six or seven people and now today they're 80. So I got to watch their growth and they're more um, sort of SaaS oriented. So they also had the whole like having to deal with investors and going out for fundraising, which we don't have to deal with. So that was really enlightening. Um, so I think that was the most valuable impact of that was like how to start, uh, build and scale a business, both from like an operational standpoint and all the non-glamorous stuff like taxes and <laughs> benefits. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, but also the more important aspects of like building a team and culture and everything that goes into that. Um, but it was a great foot in the door to like the marketing world and got to sort of wear a bunch of different hats and understand what I was like truly great at. And part of the reason why I wanted to start electric is like when I was doing the freelancing, it was primarily, um, I'd say every service I was doing was like a seven out of 10. Cause like, I can't be an expert web designer, an expert email and SMS person, an expert in lifecycle and retention, but you were getting the benefit of the cohesive strategy. Uh, whereas now it's 10 out of 10 on everything, but you still get the cohesive strategy because we have specialists in those particular areas. We still have the one person driving that overarching uh, strategy. Yeah, that's very insightful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, I find like in marketing, yeah, you can wear a lot of hats and I mean, it, it's just, it shows with electric, you know, <laughs> all the amazing things, that you, things that you can do and have been doing. Um, okay. So Noah, now give your, uh, spiel if you will. Sure. Thank you, Mariah, for hosting. 
Uh, it's good to be back together with with Brandon. We had uh, our first ever meeting at Shop Talk, which is like the most epic place that <laughs> a couple yeah. uh, uh, marketers, I guess, can, can meet for the first time. Uh, yeah, I so, can't really beat that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, couldn't ask for a better first meet. Um, so yeah, so as Mariah mentioned, uh, I am one of the newest hires to the Malomo team, came over here to build out a, a formal partnerships program, uh, which what's really nice, I think, is that uh, Malomo has done an amazing job of building like organic momentum through partners, both on the agency and the tech side. Obviously, uh, point in case being being Brandon uh, is a great example of, of what they've been able to garner without like a, a specific focus on partnerships or a person leading it. Um, and now I've been brought on to sort of double down on on those efforts and explore new market opportunities through partnerships. Um, before this, uh, out of school, I started my own healthcare IT company. And that's actually where I met the founders of Malomo, Yao and Anthony. They, uh, they built our initial MVP for, for our app. Um, so I've known them for seven or eight years now. Uh, we stayed close throughout those years. And even after I left Safekeeping, which is the company I started, we, um, we had regular meetings. Um, and I've, I've been close to Malomo for really since inception. So very excited to join the team. Uh, once I left the company that I started, which is still operating today, uh, but I, I don't, uh, I'm not involved on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I went to sort of the enterprise marketing technology space where I spent the last three or four years at, at a couple different companies, starting with Return Path and moving over to Airship, which is a mobile marketing platform. Uh, and last was at uh, Blink. So. Really excited to be in a new space, sort of the, the e-com, Shopify, and Klaviyo world. Um, the, you know, just in the few short weeks that I've been here, I can see the tremendous opportunities. Very exciting. Lots of energy in the space. And uh, yeah, excited to be here. I actually, uh, I have a question for Brandon based on what, what he kind of talked about. And Mariah, this this goes, Mariah and I had a one-on-one -on -one this morning and we were talking about the how retention has become this like blanket term, right? So Brandon, I'm curious how you define retention because I hear it asked on um, prospect calls and I hear uh, our customer success team talk about retention with our customers and everybody sort of has a different meaning or it means something different to them in their business. So I'm curious from, you know, how you think about driving value to your customers, how do you define retention? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think retention is very simple. It's just that you keep your existing customers. Um, it's even like more straightforward when it's the subscription program because you just you always solely focus on churn, and like that is the definition of success when it comes to retention marketing. And um, so, like that's the overarching thesis behind it. There's like a thousand different things that go into improving retention strategy and even more tactics that you can put in place to try and keep people with your brand for longer. But um, I think the only thing where it maybe differs and how we approach it is we kind of look at retention for one-shot customers and retention for subscription customers a little bit differently. Um, but other than that, like, the, the goal of retention is just to keep people there and purchasing. And then ultimately, if you keep them there purchasing, it's gonna increase lifetime value. And it's just gonna make your business more 
uh, successful in the long run. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Noah, you, you hit it right on the head. Like, that's why we're here, right? It's called, our podcast is called Retention Chronicles. Um, and I think that segues nicely. Like, Brandon, can you go into depth about kind of like how the process differs based off of like subscription or non-subscription repeat purchases? Yeah. So for brands that have both, you really have to think about there's just certain customers who don't want to be uh, on a subscription program. And so um, you don't necessarily need to force them into it either. And so the way that we approach those two is different and is part of the reason why we'll utilize tools like Malomo so that we can speak to the one shop customers versus the subscription customers differently, not only in our uh, like promotional campaigns that we're sending out via email and SMS, but also in our transactional journeys and flows as well. Um, so on the one shot side, there are obviously a lot of touch points that try to push subscription adoption because it's no secret that every brand would rather have a customer as like a subscription customer. But like if that doesn't pan out, how do we make sure that we still keep a healthy relationship with the one shot customer and understand that there's hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of customers in our database that have placed five or more orders or 10 or more orders that um, aren't on a subscription and that we still need to make sure that we are treating them in the same regard as we are the subscription customers. Because I've seen some brands have a tendency to be like, oh, well, you only get access to all these thousands of perks if you're a subscriber. It's like, well, I've I've ordered from you 10 times. Like, why do I have to be on your subscription program to get access to uh, the benefits? So uh, one like interesting uh, actual use case with, with a client of ours, they will, for anybody that turns like off the subscription program, and it's not like uh, super advertised uh, from the beginning because obviously they'd rather have them on the subscription program. But if you churn, you'll be invited to become uh, sort of like a one-shot regular customer where you still get the same discount that you would if you were a subscriber. And it's just on a certain cadence that you're being given this dynamic code. And then you can choose to use and purchase as needed, but you're still getting all the same perks and benefits that go with the subscription program. So I thought that was one really interesting sort of use case of how you can still keep those one-shot customers engaged. Are there, are there specific industries or verticals uh, based on the brands that you work with that subscription is like a no-brainer and others where it's a little bit harder to, to build a, a solid subscri subscription program? Or is your general philosophy like every company should be thinking, how can I, how can I build a, a subscription program and drive LTV from it? Almost every company can have a subscription program. If there's some where it's the actual product itself, like the main purchase is the one that is subscribable to. So if you're a consumable brand like coffee or if you're a skincare brand, you are going to purchase, let's say a bag of coffee and then you're gonna get another one in a month. So like that's the subscription program. It's very straightforward. Obviously anything that can be consumed should have a subscription program option. The second is companies that have a hero product that isn't necessarily able to be subscribed to. So one example is like we have a, we had a client that sold a, like a cold plunge pool that like a lot of CrossFit people will use. Um, very expensive. It was like $5,000, like one-time purchase. But we wanted to think about like, how can we incorporate some sort of a subscription program here? Because um, they were doing really well, but everything was just a one-shot purchase. And then that was it. 
And so like introducing things like uh, maintenance programs, like additional accessories that come on to the tub. Um, but like the maintenance program was a monthly subscription. The um, like, how do we look at merch? Like we have another company that is a uh, boot, like sort of uh, manufacturer company where it's primarily apparel, but to build like brand equity and loyalty, they sell a box that they include a bunch of random, like really cool, like branded apparel and other stuff in it every month at a very discounted rate to do, it doesn't even really drive huge profit, but it is an LPV driver and it increases retention and loyalty a lot. So that's another example of how you maybe would look at like a company like Red Wing Shoes and you're like, well, how did they have a subscription program? That's maybe one thing that they could think about. Um, so I'd be hard for us to think of a, a, a company that couldn't have some sort of a creative approach to subscriptions. Even like even looking at that uh, cold plunge company, for example, maybe they look at digital subscriptions where you get access for you know five dollars a month, you get a bunch of educational content from doctors and athletes and this and that about how to um, use the, the the plunge pool, but also like how to focus on other benefits that could come with it. So there's a lot of opportunity in the subscription space. For some, it's just very easy. Like if it's coffee, right. obviously you can subscribe to it. Yeah. Um, when, when thinking about growing a subscription, subscription program, what are some like best practices in terms of channels that, that brands leverage or that you help them leverage? Um, Maybe even thinking about like uh, a stat, a technology stack that helps uh, that helps with those sorts of goals as well. Yeah, for for driving subscription growth. Right. Yep. So I think the most important thing is to be able to have the integrations into your CRM that allow you to segment, which then allows you to personalize. Without segmentation, you can't do personalization, and so that's why. We use Klaviyo with every brand that we work with because Klaviyo is the hub that all other apps build into. So not only are we using Malomo and Klaviyo, but we're using Rebuy, we're using Akendo, we're using Loyalty Lion, we're using Superfiliate. There's a bunch of different, or Octane, uh, Enquire Labs for zero party data. All of that, like if you were to look at some of these contact profiles in Klaviyo, you're like, holy shit, like, I can't believe how much I know about this person. It's kind of creepy almost. Um, but with all of that data comes the opportunity to segment and then personalize. So to increase subscription adoption, it's really important to leverage that information to nurture the customer and get them into like that subscription program, or even very simply know like, Hey, this is a one shot customer. So why don't we like plug the subscription program a lot throughout their transactional journey? Like, that's what we do with Malomo and what we did with Soylent, like the one shot transactional flow and the order tracking page uh, talks a lot about the benefits and perks of the subscription program because we want to use that as a funnel for the subscription program. Um, so I think that is really the most important thing is that you're intentional with your communication and utilize the data that you have for segmentation, which leads into personalization. And I see so many times like brands will segment, but then they don't personalize. So like the segmentation is done to get out a campaign, 
but you're not using that segmentation to actually uh, personalize the content within the email or the text itself. And like the next step after that is personalizing your website based off of the data that you have in your CRM. That is, I'd say definitely more advanced and is usually what we see with, with larger brands that, that do that. But to be able to have your website like change for repeat customers or to change if you're a subscription customer coming to the website is extremely powerful. Um, or be like, you show up on the website and you know, okay, this person said they have problems with dry skin on your skincare site. So the first thing they see is like a little recommendation pop up in the bottom left corner, like, hey, John, like we know you have dry skin, check out this new product that we just released. Little things like that go a long way. Yes. What, a uh, little bit more of a specific question, but what tools do you use or a, if it's a tool uh, for those recommendations? Yeah, so for the, um, for like product recommendations, we're always using Rebuy because that allows us to, like Rebuy has the AI engine that'll dynamically recommend the products based off of what they're gonna be most likely to purchase. So that's what we use from like a product recommendation standpoint. Um, on the website side of things, to be able to like personalize content based on who the visitor is, you can use things like uh, Google Optimize, uh, Optimizely, there's Yieldify as well. Uh, there's a couple of other tools like Nasto that help with personalization on, on a website. Uh, those are all different tools that could potentially be utilized there. I'm happy you brought up Rokendo because we're doing the event in, in Santa Monica with them in a couple of weeks, which I'm super excited about. Um, and Mariah and I were actually talking about how Okendo could fit in um, driving subscriptions as well from like uh, a ratings and reviews and um, and user generated content standpoint. So do you have any examples of how that has been influential in in driving, whether it's subscription specifically or, or LTV more broadly? Yeah, so I think with Okendo, the reason why we find it so valuable is not only are you able to like ask for reviews, but in that review process, collect customer demographics and like product attributes. So like we could ask, and when we do this for our skincare brands, like what's your age range? Um, who did you purchase this for? What sort of skin concerns do you have? So those three things right there now get passed over into Clavio and we can use in campaigns, in flows, and uh, our entire personalization strategy. Then the second thing is uh, like if you leave a positive review, you automatically get dropped into a flow in Clavio because we're going to ask you to now refer a friend because like you just left a positive review. So why wouldn't we use that as an opportunity to get you into the referral program? And then on the flip side, if you leave a negative review, let's route you down the proper path and use that as an opportunity to sort of win and earn back your trust as a customer. And that one's actually the most powerful one. Um, I don't know where, what the study is, but there's one out there that basically shows if you have a negative experience with a brand as a customer, but then the brand goes out of its way to make it right, then you're gonna be more likely to stay with them longer than if you just had a positive experience from the get-go. Cause like it shows that the brand is reaching out and cares and has that one-to-one -one interaction. Um, so that's why like text is such a powerful communication channel and the Akendo uh, attentive integration is really helpful for us as well. Cause that's super conversational. It's not like email support. It very much so is like you're texting with the brand and is an incredible uh, customer experience play. That's yeah. awesome. I've never so. heard of that. Yeah. Um, like dropping someone into a flow based off of a review. Brandon, what is 
like what are some cool use cases if you have any of like how to gain that loyalty back if a bad review is left so is it like they're offering a discount on another um on another product like i know you mentioned like sms is kind of the maybe the method of communicating but what like what mechanisms have you seen brands do that yeah so um to win it back it's very like you can do some automated things that as like the first touch point in Clavio, but then it's very important that you have like a customer experience team that is able to actually hop in and start to one-on-one -on -one with that customer, get to the bottom of whatever happened. Because nothing could be more annoying than leaving a negative review and then like getting some automated boilerplate response or like, oh, we'll be with you in 48 to 72 hours. It's like, well, you've already, you've already lost me at that yeah. point. Um, so really, I mean, it's, it's not super complicated. It's just reach out to them and conversate in a way that you would want to be dealt with if you were on the other end, like we're all consumers here. And so I think a lot of times brands try to like overcomplicate things, but just think about how you would want to be treated as a customer who just, I don't know, had their product delayed for three weeks or who had their product damaged when it was arrived. Um, like never ask, unless you're selling like a $5,000 product, never ask for the customer to send it back either. Like keep yeah. whatever it was and like, we'll just send you something else for free. Um, like the cost of having it get sent back is not worth it. If you ever shop at Chewy, like it's basically like up to $300. Like they will just tell you to keep it or like go donate it or something. Um, which yeah. is a really, it's also a really like strong customer experience because that showcases the brand's values as well. Um, so I, I wouldn't say there's any like special tick uh, or tip or trick, but um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's very fair. It makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, too, to the point with Chewy, like being so confident in their product to say like, oh, up to $300, you can keep it. Like it isn't even about the product or the sell to us. It's like your experience and your satisfaction with it. I mean, like even just hearing that as a consumer, you're like, oh, okay. Like they trust their product so much. So why wouldn't I, you know? Um, so do you think like, why would you say that brands aren't doing this or like trying to over simple or over complicate it? It's like bandwidth of just like support teams or. So many companies look at it as like a sunk cost. I feel like mm, they okay. try to make customer service as cheap as possible and like um, try to outsource it to whoever comes in at like the lowest price, which is absolutely not the way to do it. Um, so like we work with awesome OS a lot on our customer service and um, like for our clients, because we know like they're very well trained and they're going to create a extremely um, sort of personalized experience from a customer service standpoint for for the customers. And part of the reason why that's possible is because we get all the data like integrated into Gorgeous or whatever CS tool there is, like all the data that we're collecting from Akendo and from these other places. So we can reach out to that person, know their entire history with the brand and know all the zero and first party data. And like, you need to be skilled in order to communicate with somebody in an effective way and leverage that material. So I think a lot of times it comes down to like brands don't think like you can't see, oh, okay, well, uh, this customer service center is actually in fact, increasing retention and increasing lifetime value because it's not a direct input. Like, oh, we spent a thousand dollars on Facebook ads. We made $4,000 in revenue from those ads. Um, so I think it's it's just, that's the biggest hurdle I've seen uh, with brands. 
And then the bandwidth thing too. Like I can't even tell you how many brands have an SMS program. Don't have anybody replying to the text, which is the most annoying thing ever. Like just don't have an, <laughs> don't have an SMS program if you can't have the people there to, to reply to it. Because if I'm a consumer and you're going to spam my phone, like right next door, my mom texts me, I'm going to expect that you reply to me when I reply to you. Um, so that's one of my biggest pet peeves. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, I mean, it's a great call out too. Cause if, you know, if you're, like you said, you're in their inbox and it probably works against you, right? If, if you're offering SMS, but then you're truly not offering it, you know? Um, yeah. So that's, that's a great distinction between the two. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, like, have you seen successful SMS programs leverage automation in, in lieu of, um, like, it, it, I guess if it's a, for a specific purpose, like sign up for our subscription program or take advantage of this offer. Are you saying that, you know, in an ideal world, you would always have somebody, a, a human uh, there to answer a text, even if it is like an automated flow? Um, or, or are you saying more specifically just for like customer support type issues? So I'd say there's like a happy medium. There should always be someone there like monitoring it um, because some people will even get frustrated like with the automated flow and then like that could be a potentially uh, negative experience. But, like we try to make things as automated as possible with the conversational flows. So simple things are like a welcome flow um or welcome quiz like asking people do you prefer like light medium or dark coffee reply one two or three and then branching them down a certain path and saving that for segmentation later on but also personalizing the journey they're now going down uh in an automated fashion which that addresses a lot same in the post-purchase too we've done replenishment uh flows where we just ask customers in an automated way when do you want to be reminded to reorder and um, like just reply with one of these four different options and mm -hmm. We'll send you the order reminder automatically. So there again, we're leveraging automation to not have to have a person do it. But um, a lot of times people will like reach out, whether it's like you just sent out a campaign and they have questions about the offer. Like obviously you should be replying if they're asking you, how do I like leverage this discount code? <laughs> right. uh, not, not reply help to get passed through to a customer service email. It, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but the really cool thing that we started to test out um, with Attentive is concierge, the, their concierge program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you have a contact who views a product on a website, and then you can set the delay thereafter. Um, like, we either do it anywhere from like two to ten minutes if a purchase hasn't been made, or if an add to cart event hasn't occurred. There is a text automatically sent out asking the customer like if they need any help, and then if they reply, then the CS team starts to interact with them and they build it out like a playbook of how we can get these customers to convert and guide and nurture that, that buying process. Um, same thing would apply with like a live chat widget in, on the site through a gorgeous or something. Um, it's becoming like, there's so many brands in, in every industry now. Like if you think about skincare, or food, even like within food, like healthy soda, there's like five healthy soda brands now. There, like you need to be thinking about how, like just beyond your product, you can be differentiating your experience because the experience is what matters most. And one of the easiest ways to do that is just to make it look like you care about your customers. And one of the simpler ways to do that is through providing those support options and the one-to-one -one personalization. 
It's so cool to hear you talk about attentive concierge because we had Blake and Peril come on the podcast a little bit earlier in the season and he kind of, um, he touched upon it a little bit, but I mean, it's just so cool to see them, you know, fully roll out the product and have your team like experimenting how you can use that with the brands that, um, you're helping. So, I mean, it's, it's so, I'm just, that's, this is part of the reason why like e-commerce just tech and, um, all of these partners, like, it's so interesting to see how you really can like intersect all of them and create that experience that will set you apart. Like it, it really does go the extra mile when, you know, you're in the consumer shoes of like, oh, they're going the extra, they're putting in the extra effort to see what it's like in my shoes and what I would want, like as yeah. a customer and, you know, it, it helps you trust them. And um, yeah, I think it's just like very powerful. So it's, it's awesome to hear you talk about it. It's interesting how like the e-commerce industry has evolved versus the B2B. Like I'm not mm-hmm. an expert on the B2B side of things, but it feels like, or at least from my experience, um, HubSpot and like Salesforce are the preeminent tools in that industry. And they basically offer the full suite of services that you would need. So like us as a business, we only use HubSpot and we have like 15 different tools that work within that ecosystem. Same if you were on Salesforce, but in the e-commerce world, like that doesn't work. Like you can't, like you have to go actually go find the individual tool and then have them all integrate with one another. Um, so it's just interesting how the two have sort of been built up differently. But with that comes, I think, like better and faster innovation. You just have to have somebody tie it all together, which is like how we position ourselves that yeah. we're the Shopify experts that are going to make these 15 different tools all work with one another and create these cohesive uh, customer journeys and retention experiences so that um, we can like leverage the best in class tools in, in a way that makes sense. When you, so, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what Mariah said and then following up with what you said, Brandon, uh, when you think about, because there are so many different tools, right? Like there, there's this like infinite amount of brands that are all buying for, <laughs> for uh, market share, but then there's, it feels like today almost just as many tools that that these brands can leverage to to capture that market share so i'm curious because there's so much opportunity so many different things that can be leveraged what would you say is like table stakes for any for any e-commerce brand what what is like the table stakes stack whether it be by like actual solution or just like category of solution that all e-commerce brands uh, need to have and need to be leveraging yeah so to shamelessly plug my linkedin um <laughs> do it <laughs> that's all right do it no i like, I, I put together because this is a question that um like, has come up internally as well as our team continues to get bigger and bigger like making sure that um sort of everybody's on the same page and uh i put together these are the 15 shopify apps that i would use to start my own shopify store uh in 2022 and um I'd say about six or seven of them are absolutely table stakes. The next seven to eight are more so like nice to have, but could be really powerful if you're ready for it. Like I can't tell you how many websites I see have some annoying like widget that is a point-based <laughs> loyalty program that 10,000 other brands have. Like why? Like you're just wasting money. Like you haven't really thought through how is this going to impact the customer experience and how are you going to drive loyalty and retention through this program? Um, so there's definitely like, you want to be cautious of that. And like, we've seen some Shopify stores that have 75 apps on them. It's like, you don't need 75 apps. Uh, 
and your bill is probably insane. But um, <laughs> like the table, absolute table stakes ones are uh, for us at least from a retention standpoint. We use Clavio and Attentive for all the brands that we work with uh, on the email and SMS side. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves because like Clavio's SMS product is really improving a lot and they do have a ton of data, like a ton. Like they definitely are the leader in uh, integrations. Then uh, sort of right after that is how do we get more data into Clavio and get more data into Attentive? So like Malomo, Akendo, Octane AI and Enquire Labs are like the biggest four that we use thereafter, as well as Rebuy. So that sort of rounds out like the seven that we're using almost always, because with Octane AI, we're gathering, well, not only are we sort of guiding the purchasing uh, decision process, but all those questions that are being answered are then immediately used in our post-purchase flows or in our like, hey, you just quiz, you should be checking out this and store to zero party data. We've got Enquire Labs for the post-purchase survey, and we'll target different questions to first-time customers versus return customers. And so that's really valuable for zero-party data, but also just like general brand uh, improvement. So asking things like, what would you like us to create next? How could we better serve you as a customer? And like the amount of feedback that we get is extremely, extremely valuable. Um, and then... Malomo allows us to then take all of the data that we are getting into Clavio and use that to create personalized transactional journeys, which is the most, like, it's literally the lowest hanging fruit and always drives a ridiculous ROI for every brand that we start with on email and SMS. And it's not, it's not very well adopted. Like we've onboarded probably 12 new email and SMS clients in the last two months. And not a single one has had transactional emails outside of the Shopify and recharge native ones, which is, um, it's awesome because like, we're going to come in and produce these crazy results for them, like from day one, but it just goes to show how much, uh, sort of opportunity there still is left for all of these brands in, in the space. But yeah, I think those are really like table stakes. Um, rebuy isn't necessarily a, um, like a, a, a zero party data aggregation play for us, but it's super powerful in increasing AOV and also in um, retention because like their uh, reorder landing pages that we use all the time, like that's one way that we make it easier for our one shot customers to stay a customer is just drive them back to a landing page that has their cart pre-populated and then some educational content, some upsells, and then like a, th a free shipping threshold bar or like a gift with purchase threshold bar. And yeah, but I think those are like the seven or eight that I would, our table stakes. Yeah, we uh, we love the team at Rebuy. We're actually, uh, I probably shouldn't talk about this too much yet, but we're uh, going to be offering our customers uh, a great deal to to work with rebuy and if they turn on and brandon maybe you can talk to this a little bit as well how how to yeah. leverage rebuy and malomo together in the post-purchase experience but if they turn on uh the rebuy widget in in uh the malomo powered tracking pages uh, they can they can get a free trial of rebuy and see how those personalized product recommendations uh, produce for them in the post-purchase experience, which as we've seen from our mutual customers, uh, there's, there's some significant lift, uh, yeah. that is, that is out there. And I think the greatest thing about rebuy is how applicable it is 
across the like entire customer journey. You get it both pre-purchase, like the slide out cart, you have the product recommendations, you have the in chuck out upsells, you have the post-purchase one-click upsell, then you have all their metrics with Clavio, then they you have your integration with you you all on the on the tracking pages. So like you just sort of killed five different uh, apps with that one tool because there's like an app that does this, there's an app that does that, there's an app that does this. Well, now it's just like your hub for personalized product recommendations and increasing AOV. Uh, yes. So I'm like a re rebuy fanboy. <laughs> Same. I, I, I'd put that label on myself as well. <laughs> also rebuy fangirl and electric marketing <laughs> fangirl too. <laughs> but I, I loved, um, I wanted to say too, for our listeners, we'll put your, um, Brandon, your LinkedIn post, if they want to, you know, go in and read more about, um, you know, I forgot the title um, that you said, but like Shopify must have list or top, yeah. shop, you know, but you know what I'm talking about, but we'll make sure um, our listeners have access to it. And it's awesome just to hear you talk through like how each step, you know, you're pulling in those apps. And if you have a quality app that integrates, how all that data can be related and then just go back to the customer experience. And I wanted to ask you, maybe this is more of a like meta question, but why do you think like the the post-purchase space focusing on it is like you said that low-hanging fruit like not a ton of your brands like all 12 of them that you just onboarded um weren't really utilizing the space like it can you kind of pinpoint why you think that is or is it um you know is it like a bigger question at hand i mean so often you just sort of set it and forget it like it just comes native with shopify and recharge and like until yeah, honestly, even until like a year and a half ago, I didn't even think about it. Uh, right, nor did I okay. think about it as like a revenue driver either. And as soon as you position it to brands as like, hey, this can drive revenue, well, then they start to care about it. Um, and so I think it's just that uh, education component. And like until I spoke with you all, I didn't realize how much somebody would look at that order tracking page, even though I was right. doing it as a consumer. And then like when I looked at the Shopify transactional pages, I was like, okay, like, yeah, obviously this is a no brainer. <laughs> um, <laughs> why would you not be doing this? Uh, I think it's, I think that's the biggest thing is just like education. And historically, if you shop from the biggest brands, your transactional emails are just transactional. I mean, there's like nothing going on with them. It's just a, it's like an order printout and here's when your order is going to get here. That's basically it. Um, yeah. It's like purely informational at best. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, I kind of had the, a similar experience when I started here at Malomo of like, oh my gosh, I never realized how much you check that tracking page. And like that stat, um, I think it's like 5.4.6. 4. 4.6. 4. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we have a fact check, so I'll throw it in there at the end just to make sure. Um, but like seeing that number, it's like, oh my God, you do not realize when you're just kind of like doing it. Um, you don't realize how much effort like goes into actually checking it. So I, I relate to like kind of the knowledge and education piece, like you're not really thinking about it. And then it's just kind of, it's brought up through one avenue or another. And you're like, yeah, it kind of clicks. Like that makes a ton of sense. I think what's really interesting, kind of keeping the theme of talking about, you know, uh, investments made in the e-commerce stack, like not leveraging them in the channel in which your customers are most likely the most engaged, most excited about your brand is a miss on 
garnering, you know, maximum ROI from those other tools, like your subscription tool, for example, recharge. If you're yeah. not pushing subscription in, in the post-purchase experience when your customers are most excited, especially your first time buyers who might not even be aware that they can, they can become subscribers and the values of those, like you're just, you're leaving lifetime value uh, right. and you're leaving lifetime value on the table. So. Yeah. Same goes with like having the order tracking pages customized for the subscribers and that when you go right. on it, you're just constantly reminded, here are all the benefits. Uh, this is what you get as a part of being the subscription customer. Here's how you manage your subscription. And it's just like standard, like brand awareness tactics. Like you, it's almost obvious that if your emails for transactional and your order tracking pages are branded and customized that like your brand is going to be more top of mind for this customer than, uh, the competitor who just has like these really bland Shopify transactional touch points going out and an order tracking page that's used by 40% of the e-commerce world. So in that sense, it is like, you don't even necessarily need data to back that up. Like it's just, some of these things are just common sense, which I think also helps a lot. Like when you're showcasing, this is what's possible. It's like, oh yeah, like this obviously clicks. Yeah, this has been great. And I can see how you took electric marketing and just with, you know, about an hour's worth of your time, how much knowledge that you have. Um, it's truly incredible to see. We'll have to have you come back on the podcast because we, I think we're just, you know, getting um, tip of the iceberg type of stuff, but this has been wonderful. Um, so thank you to you both for being so willing to share, you know, your tips and tricks and your opinions and whatnot. One of the things that we love to do is ask about resources that you would recommend. So this can be, you know, anything in, from just like life business or strictly down to advice or um, just like running your own marketing agency, however you want to take it. But I'd love to get resources from you both of what you'd recommend. So I think like just, YouTube and Google are mm -hmm. your most powerful tools. Like I, everything that we do today and everything that I've learned has just been Googled or, or YouTube. That's so <laughs> cool. What a flex. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> just like go into the account and, and try it out. Uh, and then also all these tools have like pretty robust help guides and documentation. So uh, it's really on you to expand your knowledge. And um, that would be the biggest resource I would give, which is kind of a cheating because like it's <laughs> just saying Google. Uh, I read a book like Building a Brand Story that was really helpful in how to position electric as we like sort of started to focus on ourselves a little bit more this year and like how we're positioning ourselves to the broader market and like how to like think about your brand and detach yourself from it a little bit because some things are so inherently obvious to you that if you look at it from somebody who's never heard about your company before, like you could just get could get totally lost on you. So like we utilize that in how we just built our new one pager, how we reskinned our homepage. Uh, I think that book was was a really valuable resource for that. Great, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'll have to Google some stuff now, Brandon. <laughs> um, Noah, what about you? Yeah, um, I'm not going to top Brandon with Google and YouTube. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> um, but. Being a little bit newer to the e-commerce space, um, I found a lot of the content that Shopify and and Klaviyo produce is really good, like following their blog uh, and newsletter type stuff. 
Um, Nick Sharma is a great newsletter to follow in the in the e-commerce space. I read all of his stuff, um, and then I just I you know beyond Shopify and Clavio do follow uh, not just like our partner organizations and their blogs and whatnot, but also uh, you know contacts at those companies. They're always publishing very interesting uh, takes and tips and tricks about the e-commerce space. So a lot of the technology partners that, that we discussed today all produce really good content. So, uh, and are, you know, definitely considered to be leaders in their respective uh, verticals or, or technology spaces. So I would definitely recommend uh, looking, looking at those. I'm going to recommend the Malomo podcast too. I mean, <laughs> that's a good one. This, this podcast is chocolate experts and industry insight. So, Thanks, thanks, Brandon. Uh, that made my <laughs> day. <laughs> that's yeah. that's this whole this whole time. I was like, please, please say it. Um, <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you both. Like I said, I mean, we'll we'll have to run it back and have a whole other um, episode dedicated to just diving into retention because this has been so fun. Um, so thank you both for taking the time to chat and share all your knowledge with our listeners. Thank you, Mariah, Brandon. See you at ChargeX in Santa Monica a couple weeks. I'll see you soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks, Mariah. And for our fact check today, we actually have a couple. Um, The first one I stumbled over, but it is 4.6. And when I talk about that number, when I was listening back to the episode, I realized I never said exactly what that is. So customers track or sorry, customers check their tracking page an average of 4.6 times per order. So that's a crazy amount of traffic going to your tracking page. That's why it was brought up in that conversation. But to confirm, it is 4.6 times. I also shared Brandon's LinkedIn post in the episode outline and website page. So you can all go look at that and read more. You'll also hear Noah and Brandon talk about seeing each other in Santa Monica. That was at the Charge X conference in early May. So this episode is coming out a couple weeks after that. And then the only other fact check that I wanted to say is Brandon mentions Chewy. Chewy is an e-commerce store uh, for pet food products and supplies. Um, most of you are probably familiar with it, but I just wanted to emphasize that is what Brandon was referring to. And so with that, thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It was chock full of great information. If you did enjoy this episode, please, please, please subscribe to Retention Chronicles on wherever you're listening currently and rate and review the show. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Bye, y'all.